Hello, welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I've had a nice weekend, ready to get back to work. How about you? Good, good. Uh, it's, you know, we always, uh, my partner and I, we talk about how the energy of New York City changes um, as the seasons change. So in the summer, it's got a different kind of flow, right? It's it's still busy. The city never sleeps, all that. And a lot of tourists come in and out. But it's just different, right? Because kids are out of school. People may be away at their summer homes doing whatever. It's just kind of a little bit of a different vibe. But the last week, week couple weekends, David, that fall vibe starting to come back. It's crowded everywhere again. Starting to be, you know, that, that, all right, everybody get, everybody's doing that. Uh, we're going to be stuck inside of our tiny New York City apartments over the next six months. So let's get our last bits of outdoor sunshine while we can before we get shut inside for the winter. <laughs> I don't have any idea what you're talking about. I, I, I know you don't. No, I do. <laughs> it, it is, although I, I saw the headline in uh, one of the local news stations I saw online, uh, cold front coming. I'm like, what? So I looked it up. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be in the 90s, but it's going to be drier air. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we're getting down to 74 at night, which is probably as cold as it gets. I went to the beach this weekend, and the, the Gulf of Mexico has you know, got to be 88, 89 degrees. Yeah, but it was beautiful. Wow. Dry air, warm, a, a nice wind. Yeah, we live. We definitely live in paradise. We're not run by great people, but correct, for a good correct. part of the year, it's a pretty nice time of the year right now. It's just hot. Well, it, it is 67 degrees and raining up here in New York. Really? So, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's we're, we're, we're getting that man. time now. It's, it's, it's going to start. The, the, the mornings have started to be like, oh, it's like 65 this morning. It's no longer like 75 when you go out to run. It's like, hmm. Or it, actually, the other morning it was 60. I was like, all right. Man. So I think the tank, the tank tops to go running might have to get put away now. We might have to start switching, switching the, running, the running gear. But, you know, first world problems. What can I say? All right, uh, David. I saw something interesting um, over the weekend um, run uh, on X, formerly Twitter, um, from Harrison Wind, who um, works for DNVR Sports uh, and Denver Nuggets. Um, and, you know, it's safe to say he's a Denver Nuggets fan. Um, anyway, he had an interesting comment about, you know, their superstar, their MVP, Nikola Jokic. And I thought, you know, this is a pretty good topic. And I kind of want to want to delve into it because I think it's 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 pretty fascinating. So I'm gonna get into a little bit of it here, David, and then you know we'll, yeah. we'll we'll share what we think is what. So Harrison says, "How is anyone still wondering why don't more fans care about Nikola Jokic?" And he's doing it sarcastically because he says it's because for years ESPN acted like he and the Nuggets didn't exist, even when he won back-to-back MVPs. It's because there's been a constant bias against him due to how he looks and a belief that there's no way a guy as unathletic and unorthodox as him could actually be this transcendent. He's not friends with the NBA elite. He doesn't post his workouts on social media. No one talks to him about the entire summer because he's not obsessed with the conversation and seeing his name in the headlines. He doesn't do commercials here. He doesn't do podcasts. He doesn't have a media company. He's not concerned with his legacy, how he's talked about in a sport where every other star is. If you don't care about all that stuff in 2023, the league's media partners won't let you be the face of their league. That's why. He just cares about winning. You actually have to watch Jokic play to understand how good he really is. Even though he's put up historic all-time numbers, both counting stats and analytics for the last several years, which many national analysts call fraudulent. He doesn't automatically give sit-down interviews to national media who pop into Denver once a year. He won't always give you a quote that lights up social media. He doesn't play that game, and that pisses a lot of people off. He actually has an awesome personality. He's actually incredibly marketable. Why don't people care more about him? Why isn't he in the face of the NBA? Because those who hold the power to make that declaration don't want him to be okay so much to unpack there um and 
I will start by saying this, and this is not a knock. This is not a, it's just a factual statement that you can glean from Harrison's tone of that post. Fans of teams tend to feel a certain type of way when they believe their team is being disrespected by the national media and they don't get their fair share of pub when teams that aren't as good or aren't as relevant or relevant is not the right word, who aren't as good as they are, seem to be clogging and taking up all the oxygen in the room. And it's easy to understand how someone like Harrison feels that way, because as David has said, and we've said it here in Troop, Nicole Jokic has been the best player in the world for the last three, three years. years. We said that, right? We have said that millions of times on this podcast, and we'll continue to say it. But that hasn't been the national conversation on the shows with big platforms and the talking heads. You know, the Denver Nuggets had not as many national games as the Lakers, right, over the past three years. They were not a team that was constantly being put out there. And I understand fans feel a certain kind of way about that. They're like, that's bullshit. Like, our team's better than the Lakers. Why are we constantly talking about them and LeBron and AD? And meanwhile, this guy is the best player in the league. So I totally understand where that sentiment is coming from. So put that out there. And he's right, by the way, right? Like, I think the teams with the best players should be out there and should get talked about. What I want to focus on with what Harrison talked about was this idea of, you know, his essentially his mean Jokic's rejection of American culture. Um, and that is why he is not being put forth by the powers that be. There are a lot of truths in that, David, because and again, whenever I talk about this, I have to say how David and I consume basketball is different than how casual fans consume basketball or even casual sports fans consume basketball, right? And the NBA doesn't cater to diehards or people in the industry like me and David. Like that's They don't care about because they're like, you people are going to watch our product no matter what. We have to put stuff out there that generates interest and clicks and social media uh, attention. Now, you can argue whether those things are the right things to be chasing. I, I would happily have that argument. I don't think they are, but that is what the league does, and that's the path they've gone down. And so they've always sold individuals who are marketable and people who are superstar talents. Guess what? LeBron James will do or say something, not necessarily bad or anything, that's going to generate conversation all the time because he is LeBron James. He's ubiquitous. He's been in our culture and our consciousness since he was 15 years old. I think it's old he was when he was in a cover of Sports Illustrated. He's just famous. He's a world famous person. So ESPN and all the other shows will do whatever they can to do anything that gets him out because their data says when we set his name, this is how much attention we get. When we say Steph Curry's name, this is how much attention we get. And Steph Curry says nothing. It's probably the most boring NBA player in terms of saying things, right? That's out there, but it doesn't matter. They're popular in that way. And that's what ESPN does. And for whatever reason, Nikola Jokic isn't. And some of the stuff Harrison said is true. Part of it is, I believe, how he looks, what his game is like, the fact that he is not from America and he does not do the things that most American players do. If I'm not mistaken, he has no social media. So I, we have no, unless someone goes to Serbia and videotapes him at a horse race, we have no idea what that man is doing when he's not here. We barely have an idea what he's doing when he's here off the floor. Cause again, there's no cameras, IGs, not like KD on Twitter, all the, none of that. And that ubiquity, while we can argue whether it's good or not. And I, you know, I don't really care one way or the other, but his inability to be in those areas and platforms that does quote unquote hurt. I don't believe it hurts, but hurt in that mind, his position of being put out by the major platforms on an everyday basis. 
Well, you've got two distinct situations here. You've got Nikola Jokic's decision-making as a professional athlete, human being on the planet Earth. And then you've got the media's choices that those people and those uh, businesses whose platforms it is that we consume content. Uh, well, I'm not going to criticize anything Jokic is doing on a right. personal decision. He's allowed to do what he wants to do. I, I don't follow any NBA player on any social media, so I would have no idea. I didn't know that he doesn't have Instagram. That's not how I choose to do it because I don't care what they're doing. I also know that if it's interesting, it'll trickle down to mm-hmm. where I do spend some time on social media. And you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be here. Uh, to me, the bigger, uh, the real concern are the major platforms, which we're talking about NBA TV, uh, mm-hmm. TNT, ESPN, owned by the same people, TNT. and ESPN. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, enormous failures in celebrating uh, all that he brings to the table. And then I should add, that is just the grain. The beach, that's the grain of sand. The beach mm-hmm. is how they cover the league, which is Correct. dunks and threes mm-hmm. and block mm-hmm. shots and physical confrontations here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a little soccer this weekend. Uh, yesterday, Ooh. at a sheer accident, Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal was playing Everton. I do like Arsenal. I watched them play three times a year. I have not seen them play this year because uh, I watched the Netflix documentary a couple of, years, a couple of yep. summers ago. So... Um, the idea that that's a beautiful game compared to our game is a joke. <laughs> it, it, it has moments of beauty, but mostly it is hot, boring garbage to me. Boring. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If they wanted to make soccer interesting for real, they would have an over and back line. It doesn't have to be the midline. They could right, add right. 10 yards either way. And if you have yeah. the ball in one possession, you go over the other line, it's a violation. And you would force teams to keep going forward. And you would also create right. more turnovers, which would be super exciting yep. because you can't go backwards to get retained possession. It's right. mostly awful, awful, boring <laughs> stuff watching grass grow with moments of absolute beauty for sure. Our game has, I don't know, 75 times as many actions where you've right. got the triangle, give, mm-hmm. go, cut, replace all that basic stuff of of two on two, one on one, three and three, four and four, five and five. We have all, we have so much of that. Now in the American game, we have more dribbling than the European game because our guys can do more with their dribble over there. They would love to dribble, but they just can't go by anybody as commonly as our guys can. Jokic is the most beautiful player to watch in the NBA. If you look outside of what he does individually, if you only look at what he does individually, very beautiful. He, he doesn't dunk. And so if you're only interested in that, thank you to the media for making it seem like that's all that should matter. <laughs> um, if those of us that appreciate the game beyond that, are, are he's gorgeous to watch. His touch Magic. is magnificent. Magic. And as someone who teaches the game, I know how hard it is w- when he's doing what he's doing. You know, if I watch a dude strumming a guitar, J- Jimmy Buffett's incredible. Uh, uh, he wrote great songs. And, has great songs and he's a billionaire, I believe. He's a very successful guy. But you're never blown away with his guitar riffs, right? There are people that are brilliant at guitar. Jokic is brilliant with his guitar. Brilliant. But then when you factor in what he does with his bandmates, that goes to another level. He he is messy. He can score, but he can also create absolutely like almost pretty much like no one's ever seen before at his position, okay? 
But I don't think that's celebrated. It's celebrated. It's not celebrated to the level and, right. that people's dunks are, people's threes are. Uh, I never go ooh and ah when you make a drill move and a guy falls down. Shit happens. You stepped on his foot half the time. <laughs> I, I, whatever. I, I, you, I would never go crazy, nor would any player I've ever coached go crazy. But I'll get up on my feet on a Dwayne Wade chase down a loose ball or a Udonis Haslam creating a, 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 tie, a jump ball when he didn't look like he'd be able to get there and dive in, whatever, or Marcus Smart and Kyle Lowry taking tough charges on gigantic men running them over, or Jokic delivering a sublime pass when no one saw coming and he got himself two points or three points or an and one, whatever. Um, Those are all incredible plays. And that's what should be highlighted more than the cuteness of, I don't know where that guy plays, or I never heard of his, I'm not familiar with his game, all that stupid stuff. Uh, right, Jokic right, right. has a talent about himself that should be uh, uh, absolutely measured, which we do as a league and as analysts, and then praised uh, by our media uh, heads to the fans watching. We aren't really sure what they should value most. I, I think you're so right there. Oh my, so, so much that you said there. All right. First of all, I think you alienated all of our fans who love uh, association football by saying it was terribly boring. So well, apologies, fans. <laughs> good team versus terrible team. Like I understand the drama. I'm just saying if you look, if you capture it on a stopwatch, all the action where nothing is going on, it right, would be right. the majority of the game. It's a lot of yes. That's all. Now, now, if they if they stop the clock in American football after every play. It would be incredible. They don't. I can't watch it. It's, to me, it's very boring. But at least there's stuff happening all the time when they hike it. Not the same. Mostly the game is played backwards. It's like tug of war. <laughs> tug of war is the only sport where you it's, play backwards plus soccer. <laughs> it's mo- moving it back, sorry, to reassess your position of dominance, yeah. right? To figure out, okay, how can we start our attack? Uh, yes, d- d- different type of things to, to, to enjoy there uh, in world football. Uh, by the way, shout out to Real Madrid, who won again this weekend, undefeated in La Liga early this season. Okay, uh, that being said, David talked about the brilliance of Jokic's game, um, and and it is so brilliant. It reminded me of when Shaq clearly, for the first time, saw Jokic play live. And I'm like, you see, it's so evident you weren't watching him before. Yeah. Because he's like, I- I'm just, I'm like, yeah, he's been doing that for three years. It was this postseason they ran to the worst of title. He was like, oh my God, this, is, this guy's amazing. It's like, yeah, he's been that dude. But again, you aren't familiar with this game because you don't actually watch, right? But hold on, hold on, the, the good, I, want, yeah. I want to pick up on this great point. The, yeah. I did not know. I you know more than me about this kind of stuff. But I I want to I want to pick up on this exact thing that you're talking about regarding anyone, not just Shaq, anyone mm-hmm. covering this game. I just saw in a video. I don't know how old it is of of Jeffrey Bezos. Okay, now my wife texted me this morning. We're having Wi-Fi issues in our main house. And so last night at 10 o'clock at night, I bought a new router. It'll be here sometime today. I told her that. She said, she wrote back, I hate Bezos. I love Amazon. Now, <laughs> I, I, I just heard him, heard him speak. And he was talking about rules they have at Amazon. And we can be critical of Bezos all we want. It's hard to argue. He got built an incredible. I remember, I'm old enough to remember when people thought it would never work. It was right, just books. Right. So we have to right. give credit. It's not just Bezos, obviously. I mean, we, we can argue about the labor practices at Amazon. For but sure. That's a different, that's a different thing. Different. Right. But he was talking about executive meetings. And he, may, he executive meetings, are there's no PowerPoint presentations. This is what he said. Everything's narrative written memos, five, six pages long. And when, when the executives come in the room, everyone has to take 30 minutes or so to read the memo. And what he said was, to your point, what he said was, executives can be like anyone else. They can fake it. 
If you let them read it on their own, just like mm-hmm. you school children in high school, middle school, they can act like right. they didn't talk around the talking points. They don't right. really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what most of our talking heads correct. are. Correct. They're faking. Correct. It, right? Yes. Correct. Because they're not watching. And, and that's yep. exactly right. And Shaq was so like, and I could tell, I was like, this is the, and I knew it. I was like, this is the first time you've actually watched him play because your response and all the animation in your face. Yeah. And by the way, this goes back to David's point about if, and what I say all the time too, if Shaq and Chuck and Kenny wanted to do a different type of show, they could. Oh, yeah. Those guys, they know the game of basketball. And that's why Shaq's face was like, oh, my God, look how brilliant this dude is at basketball. But for whatever reason, TNT's decided, that, and we're well down the rabbit hole now, this sells much better how we do it with our who he played for, uh, all that other stuff versus, oh, my God, this guy's brilliant. Let's break down how actually amazing he is. And they're so entertaining. They yes. can make everything interesting. I think so. Right. Entertain, I think so. Entertaining. I, I'm, I, I'm a loud person, as you know all too well. <laughs> uh, but people have said I have charisma, but they're just talking about I talk with passion. That's all. I don't mm-hmm. think I'm charismatic at all. I'm passionate. Trust me. Mm-hmm. I'm not so great about talking about the good things of soccer. <laughs> just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I have no issues. If you love soccer, you knock yourself out. <laughs> I think it's very boring. So um, these guys are so charismatic. And they're and they yeah. the, and Kenny Smith fits his role great next to Barkley mm-hmm. and Shaq, a little mm-hmm. bit more full of hot air. But mm-hmm. knowledgeable basketball players, oh yeah, crazy knowledgeable, and they know the history of the game. They respect their elders too. I, I they don't yeah. they don't give them too much respect. They respect them. They could right. be absolute ambassadors in the best way. Instead, they choose to be different and clownish. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, not always. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're very sober. And, mm-hmm. and th- those are my favorite moments when they are right. big issues. Mm-hmm. They, you're absolutely right. They could, no one could better explain than Shaq uh, how Jokic's talent is so rare. Shaq could say, Gerard, like, I'm the first dude ever that looked like me that could lead a break and dunk on you. Will Chamberlain mm-hmm. was incredible, but he weighed half a bunch of Shaq did. <laughs> right, right. Gigantic man. And uh, he, he could explain the way Jokic reads double teams. MB can't do it. But we, they never go that way. They never go. They touch. So hard to have that kind of touch. Oh, so hard. Yeah. So easier hard. for seven-footers and six-footers, I should add, because they're a foot closer to the rim. Right. But um, they just choose not to. And that's why, uh, uh, you know, Harrison's article, whatever, this is getting to that. Yeah. Our failure from the national media. And I, and I think you're dead on. Um, and the other thing I'll say, too, about this is on the Jokic side, I look – he has, as David said, every right to do whatever it is he wants to do. I do think, though, that there is a responsibility incumbent on all star players, particularly because they are the best players in the league, to be ambassadors of the game. And there has to be a way that I get it if Jokic, you know, and I, I don't care that he rejects American culture. I reject a lot of American culture, too. So we're, we're OK in, 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 in a lot of respects. But there is a way in which he has to meet the league somewhere halfway where they do something look tim and i'll say this point i don't want to get to a point now where because Jokic is how he is and rejects american culture that now he gets extra credit points for being so different and so special guys tim duncan did that before him Kawhi leonard is american and doesn't talk to anybody right like but he will do things they're like you know he was at his press conference with the clippers i remember he was like 
I don't know, like I'm a fun guy, right? And New Balance turned that into the fun guy campaign, right? Like there's ways in which you can do something and use someone's personality of like, look, I'm not really trying to be out here, do all this fun stuff, but figure out what you can use and we can turn that into something that's marketable and something that people would be interesting, interested in. Um, and so I think, yes, it is incumbent upon Jokic to find some common ground with this. Again, I don't, I'm not telling you got to get social media and go nut, no, but do a couple things. You know, maybe it's not necessarily when the one national media comes in and doesn't want to do their interview, but you figure out some ways that he is a little bit more visible because as the best player in the league, that is his responsibility. Gerard, I am astonishingly, astonishingly ignorant of, uh, pretty much everything off the court. I had no idea about this fun guy campaign. I do vaguely, I do vaguely remember hilarious. something, but I, it's amazing. Uh, Cause he was so flatlined. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fun guy. I'm yeah. just like, this is hilarious. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. I just, it's amazing. How little I know of it. Uh, I really love your point because uh, as you hear sometimes, you know, I, I, I will follow Hollywood podcasts. Uh, uh, the actors are paid for their work and their marketing. Mm-hmm. They they have to do the the gauntlet they press tours to and yes, the junk is to do yeah. it, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you're right. And um, I don't know that it would matter. I also so first of all, when we when they when they has Jokic said he rejects American culture? I, I'm no, not, right. I, I I use that phrase okay. in just the overall term okay. of how Ameri- you know the, the the look at me. I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be on Insta. Right, that kind of how yeah. is that American? Are you? I don't follow anyone on social media really. So are you? Are you, no one else in the world uses Instagram? No, I, a bunch of people around the world do it. I just think that it's 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 very much the way we use it here. To me, seems very uniquely American. Oh, okay. very. I much, didn't know. Right. Okay. That, yeah. That yeah. to me, it seems very uniquely American. Okay. No, yeah. World soccer players have Instagrams and all. I mean, they're way more popular than anybody worldwide. But the way that our players use it is so like, oh yeah, this is definitely a you know an extension, right? Like, okay, okay we promote ourselves. So, so I do. Yeah, I do think. Um, I don't think Jokic would be stubborn if if the people in charge. <laughs> both of the NBA in the league as well as Denver explaining that, Hey, we, we need you to do ABC and D and E so that we can mm-hmm. get more national attention for our, for your teammates who need that mm-hmm. to make all-stars, for example, you're good, mm-hmm. but let's get Murray some all-star votes. The, mm-hmm. You know, we've got a platform now. We've won the championship. He was really good mm-hmm. in a lot of moments. So, so Nicole, whatever you can do. Yeah. Put it that way. I have a hard time right. seeing he'll say no. Yes, he'll do some for his teammates for Great sure. Team, no yeah. doubt. Right, right. But the overall point is um, Giannis was the best player in the world with absolute athleticism and motor, a, a, a discipline, disposition, not so much skill, although he could dribble pretty amazingly for a seven-footer. I should not discount that. And he did make, I think, 18 free throws in game six. Mm, he did. Something like he that. Did. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> Jokic is completely different, but nonetheless even more effective, I would argue. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of our game. Just like any, you know, there's many ways to win games. And those guys have figured out two of them to a very high degree. Uh, I don't know how good Giannis, I don't know what, how Giannis' social media imprint is. Um, I know this. He's making some appearances and saying some shit. He doubled yeah, down and tripled down, I think, yep. on what he said before mm-hmm. about Milwaukee, you're on the mm-hmm. clock. Mm-hmm. I don't operate real good with a gun to my head, although it's, it's, it's <laughs> in theory. I've never had it happen. But he's holding a gun to their head right now. And right, uh, right. so I don't want to change topics, but um, Jokic could use the platform any way he wants to. Giannis sure. is doing it to tell Milwaukee, sure. I'm, I'm out of here, guys. I understand. I'm, sure. I'm pretty much gone. One, one of the ways that Giannis was able to transcend a little bit differently, David, was that what the what the marketing around it was 
he's kind of like Giannis discovers America, right? And that those were the things that like were like remember the first time he found out like what a slurpee was. I do, I do, when, yeah. Right, all right, all those things were like, oh man, and that those became like, or like, you know, he'd go to the podium with his little dad joke books. Guys, guys, I got a joke for you. What do you call like right? All these like, whatever, corny, whatever you want to call it, but that was his way of like, all right, we can you again. I'm Jokic didn't have to go that far, right? I think to your point is right. If you tell him, hey, this helps Jamal, this helps MPJ, this helps okay, cool. I'll do this stuff for those guys, right? Because I think and we think we know he's good, right? With his life and, and how it is. Just 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 perfectly fine. Yeah. So anyway, that's just my little piece on that. I appreciated uh, Harrison putting that out there. Uh David, over the weekend, Cavs uh was he president of basketball operations and GM? Uh yeah, GM. He's definitely he's definitely GM. Uh Kobe Altman was um charged with uh driving under the influence. Um, of course, a very serious, um, situation. Thankfully, I don't believe anybody was hurt. Um, externally, I don't believe he was hurt. And you sent something in our chat saying, you know, this is ridiculous for a guy with his income level, uh, to be doing that. And at first I was like, well, it doesn't matter what income level you are. Nobody should be drunk driving, but I understood your point, but you people who, and when I say you people, those of you who have the means especially should never be in that situation. Right, because you can literally hire whoever to drive you wherever you have to go. If you know, hey, we're gonna go to dinner, we're gonna have a bunch of wine or whatever, just have someone drive and pick you up. It's so easy. Most of these people have the driver sitting outside waiting while you're doing whatever. Like, so knock yourself out. I do want to talk about it in this in this way, David. The NBA is hard, as you often say. Our team's trying to beat your brains out. We're all trying to figure out what we want to do. Everybody's gonna be rolling in the right direction. Poor decisions sometimes have unintended consequences. I have no idea if this is going to be a blip on the radar, distraction, no clue. But just like when, and this was on the court still, but but still impactful, when Draymond punched Jordan last year, I was like, well, this may, this may not, who knows? Turns out it had an, it had an effect, right? These things, these decisions that you make and these actions when you're within these kinds of environments, they're not independent of everything else. They will have trickle over effects sometimes. Sometimes you can mitigate and still move forward and achieve, sometimes not. So it's just now it's uh, an added layer of something that now he has to answer questions about when he does his first press conference. When if he didn't have to, if he didn't have this situation happen, it'd be, hey, love the trade you made. Hey, love this. What's the team got going forward? Now he's going to answer questions about this. And that's just distraction away from what the job at hand is. It also, and I'll get, I want to go backwards too, some, but it also um, doesn't set a good tone for your players. You're, you know, you the exec, when I was a young coach and I started at 22, my, my college roommate worked for a liquor and wine distributorship. He still does now. He's probably the, one of the highest paid employees there now. Um, so I got lots of free, free stuff, vodka, mm-hmm. not, yeah, not free booze. I wish I go back that I wasn't drinking <laughs> at all. Uh, t-shirts um, and like golf club covers, whatever. Man, mm-hmm. I never wore one of them when I was when I was coaching my kids. I wore, co- you know, right. My first year of coaching, I, there was a local sporting store. I bought a bunch of college shirts, not mm-hmm. teams that I went. I had Florida right, Gators right, right. probably anyway. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to create an atmosphere with all my kids from the projects of colleges right here, guys. Like mm-hmm. we're not far. We just got to keep working. Whatever. I certainly wasn't going to wear stuff from booze, uh, booze right. companies. Uh, this guy's a GM, and and so I'm glad you thought about what I wrote. Uh, on our group chat, uh, there are there are hardworking people that maybe think they're not too drunk, but mm-hmm. they don't have any. There's no they're, they're by themselves or their right. friends have been drinking the same. Right. It's their car, no means, to, and they yeah. cannot afford Uber. 
the other day I was supposed to get a blood test uh, from doing a DNA testing, no big deal. And um, my garage door wouldn't open. Turned out it was broke. That sucked. But I'm, <laughs> luckily it's three minutes away, but I had to get there. Well, mm-hmm. I can afford a $6 Uber ride, which is all it was. Right. Guess what? Right. If it was a $25 Uber ride, I can afford that too. And definitely would have had to do it. Because I wasn't going right. to miss that test. Right. Uh, uh, I don't know what Mr. Altman makes. I know it's not 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's in the millions probably. <laughs> Right. Um, right. And I and and my bigger concern is something deeper. I don't know the guy. Something deeper is going on. A de, a, 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 to drive under the influence at his position in life is to me suggested probably of something more significant. Mm. And this is all while Cleveland is in a in a moment of crisis here. They, they don't realize it yet, but they are. They were a four seed lost in round one. Everyone thinks Donovan Mitchell's got one foot in New York now. Uh, Evan Mobley is potentially going to be an All NBA level talent. He's in year three. Long way to go. Mm-hmm. Jared Allen is a very solid player. Darius Carlin, all-star. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they just added some shooters in Niang and Max yep. Struess. Isaac Okora was the number five pick, and he's like 22 years old. I'm not quitting on yep. him at all. Yep. What's going to happen now? If that team goes the wrong way, we can look to that poor decision-making. Mm-hmm. And my, la- my only real point on that is my, we love the fucking hammer players for fucking up decisions. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to hold executives, regardless of right. race, ethnicity, gender, to the same standard. Mm-hmm. If if John Morant, instead of guns, was a DUI, we'd all be saying, what the fuck are you doing? So I just wanted to make sure we say the same thing to an executive. For sure. And you can For say sure. it about me if that ever happens to me. What the fuck yeah. were you doing not having help when you even were? Uh, my rule is now it's like one drink within a couple hours, then I'll drive, maybe. I know I'm fine, but two, done. I don't care if it's four hours. No chance. Or my wife in our 50s taking a chance of getting a fucking DUI and possibly getting in an accident. No chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. way more. Yeah, we have to hold our executive to the same thing we do our, our players. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's about decision making, right? And look, we're every single one of us on this earth is guilty of poor decision making. Absolutely. At times in our lives. It's just, it's just who we are as, as, as human beings, right? But it's as we hopefully age and mature and just get, we just know like certain things, it's just like, guys, this is this is not good, right? This is not a wise choice to make in this moment. Well, and just leave it on this, the, the, for me anyway, uh, I, there are some decisions where like I, I'll have some brownies maybe. They're really fucking good. What's, what's my downside? <laughs> a couple extra calories. I'll do some extra work. I'll have some chips very rarely, lots of sodium. I'm mindful. Right, right. I'm, like, I'm make sure I get some water. Like mm-hmm. that's my downside. Like this, there was no upside here. You made yeah. it home. Yeah. Well, you could have made it home lots of other ways too. I don't care if it was a, mm-hmm. a there are people in my state, I can't speak for where he was. You can go from t- Tampa to Orlando for a couple hundred dollars on Uber. Not even, 150 bucks, 130 bucks. Like, I don't care if he had to take a car two hours. He can afford no. the Uber ride. No doubt, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, no, that was not wise. And again, we'll, we'll see uh, where, if anything, right. uh, becomes a, becomes of right. that situation. Uh, Phoenix Suns, David, uh, new owner, Matt Ishbia, did something very cool. Well, first of all, he stopped negotiating with uh, the Bally Sports West Network locally to ha- who, who were broadcasting the Suns games and the and the Mercury and have moved those games to local television, like o- over the air, normal, normal channels. And he the Suns put out a, a an invite to their fans saying, hey, since our games are going to be on regular TV right now and you maybe can't see them because you don't have an antenna 
And some of you young kids are like, an antenna? What do you mean? Yeah. TVs used to have these things stuck out of them called the antennas. And you had to jigger around and like, like angle a certain antler, way. Like metal antlers like, coming out of the TV. Exactly. To get the signal right so it would be clear and not fuzzy and wobbly and all that. So Did he, you have uh, antennas? Oh, my God. Of course I had. David, I was born in 1978. Of course I had antennas on my TV growing so up. Cable <laughs> came to us. I was born in 65. So cable came to us uh, pretty much when I was going to college. So that was early yeah. 80s, but we were late. I had friends who had cable in the late 70s, yeah. early 80s. We were, we were like 83, 84. We, we were late too. We didn't get cable in our, in our house until 90. Jeez, wow, okay. So 4, you, 95? So you had antennas almost in high school, yeah. Yeah. Got that right? All yeah, all yeah. through early high school, I, I had antennas. So yeah, might know what antennas yeah, are. That's great. Um, that's great. Anyway, so Manish BS put that out, and so all the Suns fans all they do was like send their name and address and whatever, and they'll all get um, antennas to watch the games. And the the Bartlestein, the CEO of the Phoenix Suns, said, "We ran out. We got such so well, we have to order a new batch." Uh, but they're going to get them out to everybody. And I thought, well, look at this. Matt Ishbia, the benevolent billionaire. You guys know if you listen to uh, us here at True, by rule, I automatically hate billionaires straight from the jump just because of, you know, amassing the kind of wealth I'm like, you don't do that doing good things. But this is a nice thing, right? Doing this wonderfully to his fans to get them to watch the game. I will, however, say billionaires don't get to be billionaires by just doing things just because there's always a, a, a motive down the line. Ishbia actually is smart getting out of the deal with Bally Sports because he's looking at it as, look, I want more people to be able to watch my team play. As it stands right now, cable is limiting that. Well, forget that. I'm getting off cable and I'm getting on regular TV where more people can see them. Short term, yes, that's going to cost him some money. But he's figuring the brand builds up in the long term. I'll make this up on the back end with way more Phoenix Suns fans because more people got a chance to see our game. So there's always a game with these billionaires in terms of what they're doing, but it's still a nice thing that he's allowing fans to see his team for free. Yeah, I don't think it's just billionaires. I mean, the average person tends to do things, you know, they play a little bit of chess anyway. Uh, but imagine how how nice the world would be, much less our league, if every billionaire or every just wealthy person, you know, ha- had a little bit more mindfulness about what they can do with their money, you know, with their wealth, their power, their connections. Um, yeah, I... I uh, we, we don't see new owners too often come in and, and make that kind of splash. Maybe it'll have an impact on the other guys. Maybe maybe, maybe. everyone will do it. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Well, the, the, the Jazz also have gotten out of their deal with um, their local cable partner as well and are going over the top. And I know, speaking of, we talked about Nicole Yoga start to start the podcast. I know that Denver fans are pissed in the area because of altitude sports and that whole deal. And listen, what's happening with TV and cable and the different networks is just – it's just so problematic. And again, who ends up getting squeezed at the end is the consumer, right? The person who now has to spend an extra however many dollars to just watch their favorite team play games. Like, this is simple. Like, I just want to watch my team play basketball. Like, here in New York City, I use YouTube TV, but I have NBA League Pass so I can watch all the games. But I still can't watch the Knicks and the Nets unless I pay for you know, for a while my parents were able to use their cable account and watch because they'd have, you know, MSG and, and yes. But it's like, this is stupid. Like, if I pay however much money for League Pass, it doesn't matter where I live. I should be able to watch whoever I want, whenever I want to watch them. But these are the things that happen, right? They, the consumer ultimately in the end because, you know, these companies decide, oh, shit, we're getting screwed. We have to make more money, more profits. Well, we'll just charge X more dollars and the consumer's got to eat that cost. And that's really what happens, you know, industry-wide everywhere. And it sucks. 
This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey guys, Gerard from True Hoop here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run, take a nap, read a book, or maybe show up for a friend? Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time, but the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapists for my partner and I, and both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TrueHoop. Yet here we are. All right, David, two and a half weeks ago, you wrote that the Milwaukee Bucks should consider selling high and blowing up uh, what they have with Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. And since then, as you mentioned, Giannis has doubled and tripled down on his look. I'm a Milwaukee Buck, but I'm a winner. And if at some point the Bucks suggest to me, we don't want to win, I want out. And it got to me thinking about this idea of players being untradeable. And I remember when you wrote that piece, all the Bucks fans got mad at you. Like, what are you talking about? And it's this idea of, right, these generational players are untradeable. And look, I, and I know you agree, I don't think any player is untradeable. Like, if a team feels this is what's best for us to get better, it may be sounding crazy to you, yes, trading an MVP, all NBA, all defensive. Yeah, it may be that to get off from that and recalibrate whatever direction we're going in because currently as it stands, even with this awesome player and the rest of our roster, it's just not working. It's too expensive and we're not winning at the rate we should. So I, I love your thoughts on players being untradeable. Yeah, I, I put that in a document when I heard um, uh, my friend Zach Lowe and Ramona Shelburne talking about what we talked about, what we wrote about a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. And they were basically talking about, uh, these are wise people who know the league well, um, you know, they, they were kind of assuming Giannis is untradeable. It was a fair assumption they're making. I'm not critical of their assumption at all. Uh, but and then, they, and then they went and played the game. <laughs> Where else could they trade him? <laughs> you know, if they did trade him. Mm-hmm. Although I think they, I think most of most of it was about like in a year if they don't make it. My argument to me, it wasn't hard to figure out. They lose a bunch of games this year. They don't they don't make it out of the first round or second round round. They lose in five. Yeah, of course, you could trade them then because you don't think he's going to come back. My right. argument was eliminate that from the possibility and get the most you can for it right now. And mm-hmm. I didn't say blow up, as you know, is surgically yeah. dismantled. Surgically dismantled. <laughs> but I understand what you're saying. Um, I, I agree with your assessment, generally speaking, that uh, you, you can't have the attitude of there are certain guys I just can't trade because they're too good. Uh, the exception would be the young player who's all-NBA all level player who is flat out said – I'm, I've got three years left of my deal. I'm never going to uh, ask to be traded, whatever. Uh, I, I, I can understand the argument of saying, okay, guys, he's untouchable. Mm-hmm. But to me, you're running a business. And you always have to consider what, what is my you know, one-year, three-year, five-year window. I think most businesses probably take that approach. One-year, three-year, five-year. Yep. And, um, 
And if if all the checks one year, three year, five year are for the trade compared to staying at put, standing pat, then the argument is the, is the trade. And so I don't think GMs are wise to look at uh, uh, the idea that okay, I can't trade this guy. I think that's a mistake. I think everything can be transactional. Now, if you are building a culture of I'm not just going to keep my superstars beyond maybe when they should, but I'm going to look for continuity throughout the roster as best as I can. That's a totally different argument. That's a culture sure. argument. I don't think financially you can really do that. But if you right. could, in theory, then I could see the argument of we're never going to trade those guys who are absolutely breathing our spirit every day uh, because it's, it's too important to our culture that the next players we have come in knowing well, as long as I reach a certain level, they're never going to trade me. Golden State mm-hmm, should feel mm-hmm. very good. Golden State Warrior players should feel very comfortable going forward. That if I if I can help us win championships, mm-hmm. and not and be a jerk about it like Jordan Poole <laughs> uh, supposedly was, I have no idea. They're, they're you know, I mean, Wiggins should feel really good right now. Although they yeah, could change yeah. management fast and change ownership fast, and then no you know, it's a new rules. No, I I think you're right there, David. It is. The challenge is, I think, where fans come into reaction. We the reason why I'm talking about fans so much is because, as Henry often states, owners and GMs listen to ESPN first take and know what the conversation is like on Twitter. And it's important that they quote unquote win press conferences, right? And one way that you lose the press conference is saying you are trading your five time All NBA. That is a way you lose the press conference. And so they are always mindful of that, right? But to your point. What is my mission, vision, right? And my strategy, what is my culture like? If those things align and the trade says trade, then we do the trade, right? And there has to be strength from knowing as the president of basketball operations, as the GM, as the owner of the three of us, we're in lockstep. So we're cool. We'll take whatever slings and arrows come. We're fine. We have a plan. We know what we're doing. But I mean, how many organizations in the league can say that about themselves? Two? Three, maybe? It's too bad that they're so caught up in press conferences instead of wins and losses overall. And I, I don't just mean wins and losses on the court, but wins and losses in the draft, free agency trades, mm-hmm. the decisions you make. Pile up wins, fans will come around because it Great. eventually shows up on the court, right? Mm-hmm. So I know I know what they're thinking. Um, I listened to uh, Dean, Dean Sanders talk about the transfer portal. I don't remember when this mm-hmm. was, but well, I, I saw it recently, but I don't know when to give the video. And um, they took like four or five high school kids, he said, because why would you, why would you take a chance on the high school kid when you can you go get a guy that's already played in college somewhere else. And so he, he really wants to change and whatever, wherever else, but his point is coaches can get fired so fast. And so that's why, that's why it goes to ownership. Ownership has to empower management to, to mm-hmm. think the three to five year window is your focus. The coach's job is the one year focus and um, mm-hmm. management should be in charge of player development. So the coach can worry about winning games with whoever he thinks can win games with, but management's making sure the other guys are still getting their reps. As an example of what I mean, I was texting with a high-level young player the other day. He's 21 years old or so, maybe 2021. 20, and um, he's not a guard. He's a wing, but he can dribble. But he can't dribble for what he needs. He he's not Kawhi Leonard. He's right. good for a 20, 21-year-old. And so I said to him, it's going to be about four years. He, he said he worked 45 minutes yesterday with his assistant coach. His assistant coach is a great ball handler, former NBA player. He worked 45 minutes on his handle on a Sunday, which is great. And I said, I feel it's like I'm getting there. I said, yeah, it's going to take about four or five years. I said, but you have to start now. Like, that's why I've been telling him to dribble. It's going to take that long. That's where management has to step in and develop the players and let the coach do what he wants to do. 
and and stop worrying about the press conference in one day. But you know, th- that reality is tough to uh, to react to see it coming to fruition. Very very tough, guys. I don't know if you just picked up that. I mean, David just gave you like a, an amazing gem about a high level player who he literally said, "Yeah, good. It's gonna take you about four or five years to master dribbling." Like yeah. this game is not easy. Like it's fucking hard as shit. Like, no, he's not a bad dribbler now. He's a big six eight wing. <laughs> he's just not a guard. And but the best wing players in the world dribble like guards, all of them. Mm-hmm. And so Jimmy it's, Butler and y'all, all these guys, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. those big predator wings that Zach likes to call it. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, they all can fucking really handle it. It's freaking hard. It takes, like I said, this is probably his fifteenth or twentieth summer session. It's just him, his ball handling coach on the team for forty five minutes or so, and they're exhausting workouts. See what he told me. My balling workouts hard too. So I'm guessing he's doing similar things. Um, it's freaking hard, but it's, it's worthwhile. Um, no, I love that. As when you're doing your stuff with, with your players, particularly ball handling, I'm imagining for him, or well, maybe during the, you know, once training camp starts, the ball handling stuff will happen at the end of practice. Do you like the idea of doing stuff with guys when they're already tired? Cause it's like, look in a game, you're going to be exhausted. So you better learn how to do it when you're exhausted. Yeah, I do. I, a lot of people do more shooting than I do when they're exhausted, because I think it's you're your inviting bad form. The reality is, right. when you're exhausted in a game, you might take two shots, four shots, not fifty, not a hundred. You're just right. grooving bad form. I don't think most junior coaches think of it that way. I do. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but ball, ball handling for sure. You do a lot of dribbling when you're tired. Right? You'll do a lot of defensive lot. things, a lot of cutting, finishing when you're tired. You're not going to be shooting a lot of threes when you're exhausted. If you are, you're you're in a, a quadruple overtime game, or you're out of shape. So you've got other problems to deal with, right? But you might be dribbling when you're tired, son, because a lot of dribbling happens in our game. <laughs> I love that. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to continue with our five burning question previews. We're going to finish the Eastern Conference today. We're going to move to the Southeast Division. Atlanta Hawks. David, what is your burning question for the Atlanta Hawks? I think it's going to be how does Trey Young bounce back as a shooter? We're talking about one of the most elite players offensively in the world truly 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 elite and he had a bad shooting year and so we can look at a lot of things with Atlanta with Quinn Snyder and what they're going to do but if Trey Young get back to his his you know 38 plus percent shooting form or get over 40 because he takes better shots more often uh they immediately make a big jump they're a top five offense almost for sure he's that good Mm -hmm. so that's that's what I would look at with him um, my question is similarly about Trey Young, but it is about this is year five in the league, if I'm not mistaken, or year six. Um, he is on his because he was in the draft class before like Zion 18? and Ja, was right? I think he's eight, I think he's 2018. Yes, I think he's 2018. Um, this is his third coach already. He had Lloyd, he had Nate, now Quentin. It's a lot of head coaches in a short amount of time. I don't know what's going on. Uh, we've talked to different people. There's different stories about who's doing what. Look, as David said, he is elite, an elite basketball player. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs two years ago when he literally killed the Knicks. Like, he's so good. But something's not clicking somewhere with the the leadership piece, the coach communication piece, whatever it is. Um, and those things require trust and work and, you know, as much as you work on your games, talk about dribbling a little while ago, you got to work on the trust part of relationships between organizations as well. So, you know, my hope is that, and I wonder what is relationship like between Trey and Quinn and GM and head coach? Are, are we all in lockstep? Do we 
do we want what's right for this organization? Because they got a good young talent there. I mean, look, they went to the conference finals too. We said, David wrote, this team could win an NBA championship whenever they choose to in the next five years. They look so far from that now. So, you know, where are we with that? And has any of that changed? That's what I'm wondering about the the, the Atlanta Hawks. Um, next team, the Charlotte Hornets. All right, so they have some new ownership. They got LaMelo Ball. Um, I, I, listen, I, I like Brandon Miller. My question is, do the Charlotte Hornets now have a clue? That's what I want to know. Do you now have a clue about what you want to do and be as an organization? My question is about LaMelo, and, and I won't even get into the health part because it's yeah, unfair. It's thing. Let's just assume he's healthy. Where are, who are you? Uh, you're an elite offensive player. That, that was kind of a given going in. If you could ever learn to shoot, you did. Now what? Where is your competitiveness on defense? You rebound beautifully, but can you help a team win games? Um, uh, they've been embarrassed a couple of times in playing games two years in a row. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. He was a young guy. He's very young still, like 20. Um, I'm, I'm not even sure he's 21 yet. Um, but okay, what you know, you're the face of the franchise. You're about to get paid huge money in an extension. What what are you delivering? Uh, I've had questions about him from day one. I yeah. don't question his talent. I never did. I, I wrote in my scathing art, a review of his <laughs> potential. I wrote that he could be a a, um, a better shooting Ben Simmons. You did. He can't play the defense, Ben can, but he's a good uh, pocket picker. And a uh, good steel guy, not a good defender, uh, but got great size. Like, this guy has all NBA potential. Okay. He's only in year three. He is so young, but we want to see progress. Let's hope he's healthy, and let's see what that does for a franchise that is, is desperate for that. Desperate. David, he was in the 23rd percentile in EPM in defense last year. Yeah. So, uh, to, to your yeah. point, not great. Yeah. But also to your point. In the 94th percentile. Oh, he's amazing offensively. <laughs> and fun to play with. Except for his shot yes. selection, he's an incredible passer. It's out there for him. Let's just, you know, he's allowed to grow up and value yeah, the right things. Sure. He's been injured a lot. That's not fun. Let's let's see how he does now. No, yeah, 100%. I'll be look, looking forward to that uh, in Charlotte. All right, David, Miami Heat, what is your burning question? Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, it starts with Dame. What happens, you know, if, if the word yesterday was that, you know, Portland Trailblazers stopped and Dame's going to start in Portland. I don't believe any of those things. Those are all leaked for a reason, right? Right. There's there's no decision maker uh, who's announcing that. The decision makers are leaking that for whatever reason uh, uh, to benefit their own negotiation. Um, And so without Dame, you know, who does Bam take one more step forward and start being more of a perimeter threat? Mm -hmm. Where's Tyler Heroes on, on defense? They're pretty good defensively. Um, how do they replace Gabe? There's a number of questions. How do they replace mm-hmm. Gabe Vincent and Struess? Uh, I think they've got some talent uh, at the center position. Um, Kyle Lowry is a big mystery, but, but, but maybe, maybe just doesn't have it anymore. And so mm-hmm. is Tyler going to be able to run the team at quarterback? I guess most of my questions revolve around what Tyler can be, separate from the whole Dame thing. But if they yeah. can get Dame, yeah, they can be fucking great. Um, my my question is similar. It is that I agree with you that that um, Kyle Lowry, I think, is is beyond the point now where he can play a lot of minutes and be very valuable to you. Um, can Tyler Hero be that quarterback? Because not dirty secret, but like Jimmy Butler is also getting up there in age, and yeah. 
to ask him to put a lot of wear and tear in his body in the regular season and then expect him to be quote unquote playoff Jimmy when that, you know, everybody loves it, but you can only turn that well on so many times, right? At some point, it's just not going to work. And so is there a way to lessen the role that Jimmy has to play in the, in the regular season so that he is as freshest or as fresh as he can be come the post? And that, I think that has to do with, to your point, Tyler Hero being better. And of course, if they get Dame, then yes, that helps tremendously. But we don't know about that when that, that could or could not. Who knows? I'm worrying about who they have on the roster right now. Who they have right now is Tyler Hero. Can he step up and you don't got to be an all-star on defense. Can you be just not a turnstile? That's all. Just don't be a turnstile. No turnstile on defense. And can your game improve right. from the quarterbacking standpoint? Right. We shall see. Uh, the Orlando Magic. My question is, you got a lot of talent down there. But I wonder, can Jamal Mosley coach? That's my question. Yeah. And I don't know. I think he can. I uh <laughs> We'll find out this year. They are talented. Um, I, I wonder, like, is uh, Markel Fultz really going to be your quarterback going forward? Mm. Is he better off going to a veteran team that needs another guard play that's solid? Because um, his age is a he's not old, but you know, there's a ceiling that's pretty low for him considering he can't shoot. Uh, I have a bigger question about uh, Wagner and Bancaro. Can Wagner surge into all star level status? Can Bancaro do the same thing? He's very young. Um, so those are my three things. Who, who's going to run their team? And then those two guys, of which you know Wagner wants an extension after this season, is here three. Uh, ben Carroll coming up Team USA, where I did not think he was very good. You know what? What right. is he? Because uh, right now everyone still thinks he he should have been number one. I think Jabari Smith is going to prove this year that yeah. he should have been number one. We'll see. Um, and uh, but yeah, I, I I do think they're very talented, and I do think their coaching staff is good. They finished the season pretty strong last year. They did. They yeah. did. They did. It'll be interesting if they had a good start this year. That'll be a nice little run if they do. And Wagner's coming off his second summer of very good play for Team Germany, right? Yeah. Good at Eurobasket last year, good in the FIBA World Cup this year, and they, of course, won the championship this year. So if he, as you said, if he's an all-star, and Banker, that's, that's nice. You're cooking, with, you're cooking with gas, as they say. I like that. Uh, last team up, David, the Washington Wizards. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, um, I have a few questions. One is when are you going to trade Tyus Jones? I don't know why they would keep him. He's a good player. He could start for some teams. He certainly could back up. He'd, he'd help Phoenix a ton probably. Um, mm-hmm. Delon Wright's a good player. Like are they, you know, Kuzma's a good, very good player. So what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Are you, yeah, are you just going to exactly. scrounge around for 25 to 32 wins and then maybe make some trades near the trade deadline? That's fine. You can do that. Uh, this is not the draft to tank in, so far anyway. It doesn't look like okay. there's any Zions or what well, Zion didn't matter. Lucas, there's you know, <laughs> right, right. Web, just obviously no Wimbies. So, um, yeah, I, I do think they have some young players that, that are serviceable. Uh, some very young players that have some talent, but probably won't play a whole lot. There's Kuzma, Wright, and, um, and Jones have, they could help teams win right now. Playoff teams. No doubt. no doubt. And so I just wonder if, if they're going to move off them and just stock up for the future. And to that, and that's exactly my question. What are you doing? You extended Kyle Kuzma. Uh, that to me suggests that you're trying to win, maybe? Well, what's the rest of that roster look like? How good is Denny Abdia? Do we know? Um, I think he could be good, but it's sort of been a, a, up and down results. Uh, to your point, if you're going to stop, if the point was to sign Kuzma's extension, 
keep Jones to your because yeah, a veteran team in like February is gonna be like shit. I need a backup point guard. I need a wing like Kuzma, and they'll give me the farm for it. Okay, maybe that's maybe that's the plan in, in, in Washington. If so, I love it. But I I would love to see them figure out what direction they're going in because the pieces seem odd fitting for if you're trying to be successful, super successful. You don't have that guy yet, and if you're trying to tank, well, you got too many good players to really be terrible. So they'll, they'll be bad. They? I agree with you. They'll be bad. They won't be. They they don't have to be terrible. They they might have a terrible coach. They might have a terrible Ooh. coach. We'll see. We'll see. Not to say that you have to win games to prove that you're not terrible. Uh, we all thought the Thunder coach was doing well, and they weren't mm-hmm. winning games. I think Jamal Mosley did a good job, and they weren't winning a ton of games. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not sure yet about who's running the Wizards and everything. New management, all of that. Um, I don't think it's going to be a good year for them either way, but they can build a nice foundation going forward if they, make the, if they win the transaction fight that they, they got coming. Yeah, and again with those guys, they could they could definitely do some do some stuff because those would be coveted players that people would Gaff- really want. To Gafford, Jones, Kuzma, right off the top. Avdia maybe, although they also could let him grow. He's like twenty three. Corey Kispert right. maybe you keep around. Mm-hmm. Um, the picks, you know, the more recent picks. Johnny Davis mm-hmm. was a bust last year, uh, and mm-hmm. so you you start showing some signs with those young guys, and you move some of these older guys, and you can start thinking, okay, they're they're being well coached. I like it. I like it. All right, folks, uh, we finished up the Eastern Conference. So later this week, we will begin with the West. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you then.